When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, your, your average 15 to 20 handicapper is not going to be able to tell a difference at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first edition of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast for 2017. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, Editor-in-Chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com. Uh, we are... Joined today by a return guest, Mr. Dan Hauser. Uh, Dan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. And uh, what uh, Dan and I were talking about just a little bit ago uh, before we got going here was um, for this year on the Golf and Filter podcast, we're going to do some themes for every month. So what I'd like to do is to invite guests on the show to talk about a specific topic, uh, one per month, different guests, of course. Uh, and for January, what I'd like to talk to Dan about, and Dan and I are going to kind of go back and forth a little bit about golf ball and golf club testing. Uh, both Dan and I have written about uh, golf equipment, at least in some regard. Uh, we are certainly just regular golfers. Wouldn't you say that's true, Dan? Yeah, definitely. No question there. <laughs> so, at least on uh, my end. Yeah, that me, me too. Believe me. Um, and so uh, what I thought we'd do today is kind of just talk a little bit Dan, about uh, golf ball testing, golf club testing. Um, we read a bunch of reviews online. I do a bunch of reviews on the site. And we can go, kind of go back and forth from there just to, uh, you know, just pick each other's brain a little bit about some of the things that we look at when we read these reviews. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the whole idea, uh, Dan, for you and I to kind of talk today kind of came about because earlier today um, on Twitter, which seems to be the the source of everyone's problems these days <laughs> uh, you and i were going back and forth a little bit about one of the hottest golf equipment stories if not golf stories of 2016 which was the kirkland signature golf ball sold by costco so uh, before we get into some of the the details about what's transpired since news broke of this golf ball that might perform better than the pro v when did you first hear about the golf ball and what was your initial reaction upon hearing how "quote unquote" good this ball performs? Uh, you know, I first heard about it when you know there, there were kind of rumors floating around earlier in the year that, that Costco was going to go ahead and release their own um, brand of golf ball, which obviously we, we kind of assumed would be named Kirkland. It would have that Kirkland name in it of some sort. Obviously, Kirkland, you know, being Costco's um, in-house brand. Um, my initial reaction was, "Is okay, so we're just going to get another golf ball here into the." arguably already oversaturated golf ball market um it'll be another discount ball that that will that will appeal to you know one of three uh demographics you know one being the uh the average golfer out there who's just looking to hit any golf ball and is looking to not spend a ton of money on it um you know your your non-golf relative who thinks they're getting you a cool golf gift for the holidays and and <laughs> what you know what they don't realize is that they're buying you the cheapest ball out there i'm sure uh you as well as myself, I've had that happen before. Oh, look, I got you some great golf balls. You know, they're 
their you know the 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 the, <laughs> the bottom of the shelf of a brand. Definitely. And then the third one is is you know, I would say people like you and me, just kind of your average golfers out there that are like, okay, well, let's just give this ball a, a try and see if I like it because that's kind of how I just go about everything. I mean, yeah, I've got you know you've got the names that you particularly look for out there and you trust because you see the tour guys play it. But for the most part, you know, if I see a good deal on a golf ball, I'm going to buy it. If anything, just to give it a try. Maybe I like it. Maybe I don't, but I'm not good enough where I think that the golf ball that I buy is really going to matter that much in my game. So usually, you know, so I was, I was thinking, okay, you know, like I said, another, another, another discount brand golf ball oversaturated golf ball market, but Hey, here's another one to give a try to. Um, I didn't think it was going to become the Tickle Me Elmo of, uh, of, of, the, of 2016, that's for sure. But, man, is this thing blown up? It certainly has. And really, um, I hadn't heard about the Kirkland Golf Ball, even being a member of Costco. It kind of shows you how often I go into that store. Um, <laughs> but I hadn't heard about this golf ball until I read the review on uh, a popular golf website, mygolfspy.com. Listeners to this podcast know that website quite well. We've had Tony Covey on the on this show a couple times to talk about various uh, golf equipment things, and they uh, they basically they do a lot of testing on their site, and they went and they tested this Kirkland golf ball, or what the Twitter has uh, lovingly deemed it, K Sigs, <laughs> which I think is the <laughs> the most ridiculous nickname ever. Um, but they tested this golf ball, and and long story short, uh, they say and they have data to suggest that the K Sig tests better than the Pro V One. Uh, and Pro V1, of course, anyone who listens to this show knows it retails for around fifty dollars uh, American. I, I, I've actually received a tweet yesterday from one of my followers saying that they sell it for about seventy dollars overseas, which is ridiculous for a dozen golf balls. And the uh, Costco brand, uh, the Kirkland brand, retails for about thirty dollars for two dozen. So right there and then, you can kind of see Dan that. There was going to be some demand for this golf ball, especially after you take a look at some of the data that My Golf Spy came up with. Did you have the chance to take a look at My Golf Spy's article? And, and if so, what was your reaction to the data? Um, a little bit. Honestly, uh, I'm going to be honest here. I actually did not look at it until everything kind of blew up uh, last night and this morning on Twitter, and I went back and kind of looked at it. I mean, I, I had read you know people saying, oh, it's comparable and that and that my golf spy had had run this and i just kind of just took it at their word and just kept on going and you know i was more fascinated in the sense of how quickly they were flying off the shelves and how costco couldn't even keep them in stock long enough to, for everyone to buy them i mean i haven't even got my hands on any yet um obviously with 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 such a high demand but i, I went back and, and looked at it today um like i said given what you know what's kind of transpired in the last 24 hours in terms of everything kind of kind of blowing up and um yeah i mean it, I you know we 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 talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't have any reason to believe that they would have any reason to lie in their in their their you know what they what they came to the conclusion. I mean you you you, you test the ball out and you put it out there and you know for the for the people that want to choose to follow that and listen lie but move on and you 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 go read something else. So I it just seems crazy to me and I'm sure we'll probably get into more how everything mm -hmm. is blown up just because of one particular website with their scientific data that they've used saying that it, it, it compare, you know, it, that you can compare it and say it could be arguably even better than the pro B ones. And looking at the data and I've got the page up right now, basically listeners, the, the long and short of it is that with the driver, the Kirkland ball actually traveled about 7.5 yards longer 
than or further than the Titleist Pro V1. And this is uh, there's all the details to the test, how they did the testing on mygolfspy.com. Um, and then as far as any other clubs in the test, with the six iron, it performed the two balls performed very similar to one another. Um, actually, the Kirkland uh, floated higher or flew higher as far as trajectory uh, in comparison to the Pro V1. And then with the sand wedge, it was performed very, very closely uh, to one another, the two balls did. So uh, um, initially, when I read this, the first thing that came to mind was, okay, so basically what this data shows is that a golf ball that, again, retails for about $15 a dozen is comparing uh, or has data and stats that are very comparable to a golf ball that sells for about 4 or $5 a ball, depending on where you buy it, that being the Pro V1. So initially, as a consumer and as a member of Costco, that that seems like a pretty damn good deal. I'm Absolutely. Go, yeah, you know, it's it, I'm a guy that doesn't necessarily play the Pro V1. I have played it before. Um I play to a nine handicap. It's not necessarily, uh, by no means am I a professional, but I probably could not tell the difference between these two golf balls and one side of the coin, and we'll talk about both sides here, but one side of the argument, I guess, could be, well, why not just pay the $15 then for a dozen golf balls as opposed to the 50 Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> like I said, it, I, I kind of fit that mentality in my, as well. You know, I... Um... I'm I'm one to just kind of I mean like I said I I've got my brands that I that I like just from trying them over the years but I'm I'm not one to say oh well I'll only play this ball or I'll only play this ball if I if if I'm at the store and you know I go over to Golf Galaxy or Golf Smith or Dicks and they're running a sale on a certain ball you know what if is I'll I'll pick that ball up and play it I mean I I in in the way my personally my game is is I don't think the ball plays enough of a factor that one ball is going to knock enough strokes off of my game that another ball necessarily wouldn't that I would need to play one specific ball at all times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, and quite frankly, I mean, I, I'm pretty much the same way I, I have, I, I basically play off a feel. If there's a, I like a, a golf ball that feels a little softer. Um, I was a fan of Baladas back in the day because really I'm not going to chew up a golf ball much like the pros would when they're hitting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's basically how I choose it. I could tell the difference between hitting a top flight with all respect to top flight and a, a Pro V1, for example. One feels well, of course, yeah. differently than the other. And so, Absolutely. You know, and we'll, I guess to kind of look at it on the other side then, as, as far as this argument goes, and then we'll kind of get into a little bit more about what has transpired since this article's been posted. The average golfer, which is kind of what you and I are alluding to, Dan, probably isn't going to be able to tell the difference between two of these golf balls. If you were to take the logo off of either of these two balls, the Pro V or the, or the K-Sig, I would venture a guess, and let me know if you agree or not, that average golfers probably wouldn't tell the difference. Yeah, your your average fifteen to twenty handicapper is not going to be able to tell the difference at all, unless it, it, unless they're a fifteen to twenty handicapper that that somehow has this vast you know knowledge of spin rates and and whatnot and and can can tell it. But if that's the case, then they're probably not a fifteen to twenty handicapper. So, uh, yeah, you know, your average golfer, and and that's why. You know that's why I say that it's another ball for a possibly oversaturated market, but it's another ball. You know this Costco ball that was just another ball that that could be a possible you know buy for that average golfer because like they're you know in the case of most of these average golfers they're probably just looking for the best deal out there for a ball in terms of cost you know wise because chances are they're going to lose them anyway. Chances are they're going to go through a sleeve or two in a round anyway. So why do they want to spend fifty bucks on a box of balls when they could go and get these for fifteen bucks for a box? Right, and, and these guys are probably going to play once a week. I mean, I, I play once a week if I'm lucky. 
and I live in Chicago, and so I can only really play, you know, eight, nine months out of the year. And so I'm not going to go through that many golf balls in a season. And so in that regard, why am I going to spend that much money anyway? To your point, why not just spend $15 for a ball that performs pretty similar to the titles Pro V1? And so what we've seen over the last few weeks, and I guess month at this point, since the article's been published, is that Costco, the website, and the stores can't keep this thing in stock. So it's been the yeah that, it's, that's been the to me personally that's been the craziest part of this whole thing is that is that I mean this isn't we're not talking about you know um, you know we're, we're not talking about you know gallon sizes of mayo or or you know uh, or seventy five <laughs> packs of, of of candy bars here we're talking about Costco brand golf balls and they can't keep these things in stock long enough for people to be able to buy them I mean to me that is just insane and you had referenced in jest earlier it's like the tickle me Elmo. Uh, for for your dad, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly. crazy. I've never seen anything in the golf equipment industry that has gotten this type of response, and I can only assume uh, that it has everything to do with this this article from mygolfspy.com, which does have a, a relatively strong following. They have a very uh, niche following or niche following, um, and it's it's just so interesting because not and when we say we can't, they can't keep this thing in stock. I mean, we're talking; it's sold out within hours. Like two hours. Yeah, I think, it's, was the it's last nuts. Time. I mean, back in his heyday of the early two thousands, you, we didn't even see this type of reaction on Tiger Woods gear. I mean, they were slapping Tiger Woods' name on everything, and yes, they were selling like crazy. But we not like this. I mean, I can't think of anything in the golf world that, that's ever been this popular, especially since it's this um, off the beaten path. I mean, this isn't a Titleist name. This isn't a Callaway. This isn't a Nike. This isn't an, an established golf name. This is Costco for crying out loud, selling golf balls that people can't get enough of. Yeah, it, it is nuts. And, and to be fair to the the actual manufacturer of the Kirkland golf balls is a brand that uh, it's a Japanese brand and it actually makes um, other golf balls as well. But one of the things that ended up happening or some of the other steps that occurred after this uh, craze started, people just started scooping up these golf balls. Couldn't you couldn't keep them on the shelves long enough? The the folks at my golf spy, two guys really. Tony Covey, as I mentioned in the past, who's been on the show a couple times, and as well as their owner, uh, by a gentleman by the name of Adam Beach, who I've spoken to in the past as well, not on this show, but over the phone. They, uh, I don't know, Dan, would you say they've kind of come under fire a little bit in social media for some of the testing that they've done? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd, I'd say amongst the mainstream media, they are definitely not uh, uh, favorable right now, we could put it that way. <laughs> and so the, the crazy thing is that Two mainstream media guys, Hank Haney, who everyone knows is uh, one of the, uh, well, the ex-instructor, uh, one of the ex-instructors for Tiger Woods, probably during Tiger's peak years, and Michael Breed, another instructor that is uh, of Golf Channel fame. Both of them have Sirius XM radio shows. Both of them commented on the Kirkland Signature Golf Ball and the test that My Golf Spy did. And the guys at My Golf Spy actually spoke to both Michael Breed and Hank Haney, respectively, to kind of defend themselves. And the crux of the argument from Breed and Haney was really more so Breed than Haney, because I actually thought Haney was pretty uh, respectable, and he was very respectful, I should say, of the whole testing process. But Breed's hang-up was my golf spy didn't use robots. They didn't use enough control variables within the testing because my golf spy uses real people imagine that <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, right. to, to test the golf balls you know 
we we don't have to get too much into the back and forth between you know those guys and uh, Michael Breed or, and or Hank Haney. But Dan, when you uh, first of all, what, what was your reaction to kind of hearing all of that? Because then it turned into a, this little Twitter spat that we we both follow. What was your immediate reaction to all the the hubbub that occurred? Well, my immediate reaction was, and you know, I, I brought it up briefly earlier. Is you know what? There's there's enough of these you know websites out there that that, that do these uh, manufacturing and ball and club testing that. If, if there's one that you don't necessarily agree with or you don't agree with their testing principles or they didn't use the right robot or they didn't use the right this, then you know what? Go find another another website or another company that does use that particular robot that you want or this particular spec or this particular you know um, method that you want. There's so many of them out there. I just I thought that it was kind of – now, granted, as we'll get into later, you know, this is kind of a double-edged sword and both sides are kind of a little bit to, at fault here. But I thought initially, you know what? You don't like what they had to say? Then just go find somebody. Go find another website that you that you think did, did it the right way. I mean, personally for me, I want to know how a real humans hitting the ball because I'm a real human and I'm going to hit the ball. How a robot's going to hit the ball is not how I'm hitting it. So, I personally feel that I would rather read a review by somebody the actual human hitting it than a robot. But hey, you know what? To each their own. And I know a lot of the mainstream media people abide by this scientific method of the robot and to each their own. But uh, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed. Uh, kind of almost like a witch hunt against uh, kind of an alternative website and not, not more mainstream media. I agree, and uh, I do see it kind of both ways, but certainly more so towards agreeing with what you just said. I mean, we're both humans. We want to see how humans perform when they hit this golf ball. And quite frankly, you know, based on the data that we see on, on my golf spy, I mean, it seems like, as we mentioned earlier, they perform pretty similarly to one another. Um, and then, of course, there is a little bit more backstory and some um, rumors or, or whatever. Um, we won't get too much into that on this on this show today. But basically, there was uh, an attempt to discredit some of the arguments that Michael Breed and Hank Haney brought up for one reason or another. Uh, but Dan, you know, really, how this kind of relates to this month's topic of, of you know golf equipment and golf reviews. You and I are both consumers first and foremost. So let's take kind of our our golf journalist hats off or golf media hats off and now let's put on our our just regular consumer hats when you are researching golf equipment how much credence do you pay to reading reviews online you know a little bit a little bit here and there i mean i'll 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 do my homework and kind of read whatnot but for me i mean and like i said it's you know i'm i'm kind of your average run-of-the-mill golfer so for me it's all about what feels good in my hands and what feels good when i'm hitting it so you know, I might do a little bit of read up online and when, 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 you know, when these OEMs, you know, release their new clubs every year, sure, I'll go online, you know, I'll, I'll read about it as it comes across my Twitter feed and I'll click the article and read what, what the new improvement is. But, uh, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to hit the balls in the, in the bay and then, you know, hit the clubs and I'm going to see how, how they feel in my hands. And that's really what, what the ultimate determining factor is. So I would say that I read them just to stay knowledgeable on them, but it's not my be all end all in terms of how, if, if that's going to be the decision maker or not for me. I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Um, uh, obviously it's kind of hard to talk about cause I, I do golf reviews on my site. <laughs> and so I actually yeah. have the opportunity to try the, uh, many of the products, um, in real time. But, uh, when I'm not testing something for the site and I'm actually going out to try to buy something for myself, I do the exact same thing. You go to whatever PGA Superstore, um, Golf Galaxy, if they're still around, I don't even know. Golf Smith, I know that they're not well, around anymore. Yeah, Golf Galaxy actually bought, bought bought out Golf Smith, so all the Golf Smiths are slowly turning into Golf Galaxies, the one that stayed in business. 
There you go. And so you could you can go there or any of uh, even your your local pro shop, which I think yeah. is really uh, you know support local. There you go. <laughs> go exactly. to your local pro shop. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You get to have you have the chance to test it out. And more often than not, it's usually just a short range session. Session uh, sometimes in front of a ball launch monitor. A lot of times indoors, and you kind of just go off a of feel. But and, and like you, I, I like to stay up on uh, the types of products that are coming out, how it's supposed to help my game. You know, and you have to kind of weed through all the PR talk and the media talk too, because every OEM is going to try to sell their product. I mean, that's it's going to be longer than the last one. It's going to you know lower your scores more so than the competitors, and that's just something that you have to accept because this is obviously a, a free market competitive atmosphere that we we live in um now when it comes to actually making a purchase though how do you determine which to go with is it something that you're comparing to what you normally play now or do you go in and you try you have two brands in mind or two different types of clubs in mind and you just pick the best out of those two i mean just you know in all honesty you know one of the things that i'll be factors in and i'm sure for the majority of people out there, it does too. Obviously, you, you want to factor in the price. Um, you know, for the most part, usually you've got in, you, you go into it with a price range in mind or a budget in mind of, you know, you can spend X amount of money on this or X amount of money on that. So obviously, that is one thing that's important to always factor in. Obviously, golf's a, an, ex, an expensive game to play, even after you've done, you know, you purchase all the clubs and then you go out there and then you got to pay to play. So, you know, that, that's, that's always expensive too, as well. So, uh, you know, f- price is going to factor in. Um, you know, if, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit. So if there's one thing that we find that we like, you usually ride with that again and you keep going with it. Um, you know, you, you know, and especially with a game of golf, it can be so finicky. You want to be able to comfort zone is, is important. You want to have confidence in what you're using out on the course. So yeah, I, I, I'm more of one to lean on the side of, of kind of what I've already got going. And in, in terms of, uh, like if, if I'm looking at some new clubs, uh, what have I used in the past? Do I want to stay with that same brand or do I want to maybe change companies? But, have the similar feel because that's what I'm comfortable with when I'm out on the course when I need it to perform. Uh, so that, that those are, those are I would say two of the main main factors: um, comfort level and and you know obviously price as well. Right, and I think for most people, price is probably as is the first thing you said, and I'd say it's probably the first thing of top of mind for most people who's who are going to who are in the market for any new club or ball or anything of that nature. Because what I guess I'm getting to, Dan, is if tests like what my golf spy do or everyone knows of golf digest's hot list or golf magazine has their own as well uh, more often than not you kind of read those as a consumer to just to stay informed you're going to see and hear what people are saying about these these clubs and the performance but when it really boils down to it more often than not you and i when we make a purchase we're probably going to buy something one that's cheap two that might be a couple years older because that's the only way that it could become less expensive and three whether or not it kind of differs on if you're brand loyal or as you said if it's something that feels good in your hands so would that suggest then that all of this attention to to data and to how other people are performing with golf clubs really don't mean all that much when it boils down to actually making that purchase i mean to me personally it doesn't Uh, i know there you know obviously there are plenty of people out there that it does appeal to and it does factor into that's why we do what we do and that's why we write these reviews and that's why sites like my golf spy exist because there are plenty of people that that live and die and 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 
use that as their be all end all when making the decisions. You know, I, I usually tend to go with, with, you know, what feels good to me and, and kind of just use that as a, as a way to stay up on in, in terms of, uh, keeping knowledgeable on the new stuff coming out. But, um, yeah, I, I would say, I would say the majority of your average golfer probably goes the, the route that I do in terms of, uh, what feels good and what, what fits in their price range. But, um, there's absolutely a, a group out there that, that, hundred percent goes off of these reviews. And like I said, that's why these, that's why these websites exist. That's why sites like your and mine, when we post reviews and we do stuff like that, that it gets clicks because people are interested. I mean, even if they're not interested in the sense of they're only going to buy it based off of what we say, they're interested enough to at least stay up on the information, what's going on. And then at least use that to factor in the decision. Even if it's not the, the dominant factor, it'll, it'll still trickle into their minds when they're at the store kind of looking over everything. Oh yeah. I read about this one online. This does this and this one does that and, and whatnot. And I definitely can't argue with that. I mean, I've, I've been very open on uh, this podcast and with the site that the most popular articles that we hit or that we get are the ones that are reviews on equipment. I can tell you that David Ledbetter's A-Swing review that I did is by far the most, at least in 2016, the most popular article that, that, that I wrote. And it just blows my mind. Kind of, <laughs> You sit back and you're like, why did I waste so much time on those other ones when I could right. have just read a book and reviewed it? Um, but, you know, your point's well taken. If anything, it kind of gets people in the door to whatever golf manufacturer or golf store there is uh, with something in mind. You know, uh, I read this on Dan's site and he said that XYZ Golf Club performs better than another one. So I'm going to try it out for myself to see if it's if it's actually true. So I, I totally get that. I guess where I'm coming from, too, though, and maybe this is just more my opinion, but when we look at things like track man data, spin rates, ball speed, launch angle, descent angle, all these these very intricate, detailed statistics. There are certainly golf gear junkies like you and, and me who, who understand what those things mean. And then there's basically everybody else. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you and I, I would assume, are probably part of a minority of golfers who actually like reading that stuff. And I would have to guess that we aren't the ones who are keeping the lights on at golf OEMs. It's going to be everybody else who wants to go and buy, you know, well, my, my grandfather played Callaway, so I'm going to go buy Callaway because it worked for him and damn it, it's going to work for me. Yeah. Or, or, you know, you're, or somebody that says, Oh, well, my favorite golfer is Phil Mickelson. He plays Callaway. I'm going to buy Callaway. My favorite golf. Well, right. my favorite golfer is Dustin Johnson. He plays TaylorMade. So I'm going to go buy TaylorMade. Oh, well, you know, I was thinking about, well, I guess, you know, it, it wasn't as many as we thought throughout the years, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that went out and bought Nike sticks because of Tiger for a long time. Obviously not enough to keep them around because right. now they've gone ahead and shuttered down. But uh, absolutely, you know, there there are people and, and, and it's it's the same for um, not just golf, for, for, you know, all sports. I mean, you, you look at football, for example, if your favorite player is Cam Newton, you're probably going to go out and buy Under Armour over Nike because he's an Under Armour guy. You know, mm. if you're a LeBron fan, you're going to go out and buy LeBrons. You're not going to go buy... Reebok, you know, so I mean, it, obviously, there's that there's that that group that's going to buy based off of their favorite player because they see their favorite player hit the way they do. And they're like, oh, well, maybe if I buy those clubs, I'll hit like that, which you know, we obviously know is not going to be the case. <laughs> but hey, you know, whatever floats their boat at the end of the day. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, f- yes, I would agree with you. The 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 ones that are studying the track man numbers and spin rates, you know, we're we're we are absolutely in the minority of the average golfer. Um, but like you said, I mean, they're information like that is sometimes what can get that average golfer into the store 
And then from there, they go ahead and try everything out. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I'm at, too. That, you know, I, I read something interesting online about a new Callaway club. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the store and I want to try it out. And you know what? It could feel great to me. And then I'm going to go ahead and get it. But what got me thinking about it in the first place was reading somebody's review on it or reading the trackman numbers or saying, oh, look at it, look at the spin rates that come off the ball if you hit, you know, with this club as opposed to this club. So, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, it, it's, it's a matter of getting people in the stores and buying the equipment and going out and playing golf and continuing to play golf. And you know what? They, they could read something online about a Callaway club and they're like, oh, I want to go out and try that Callaway club. And they get to the store, they try the Callaway club and then they pick up a Titleist and they feel that and that feels, and they end up buying that. Now, sure, that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't like the Callaway club or that the review they read on the Callaway club was wrong or incorrect. It just meant that they found something else while they were there trying that Callaway club out that felt better to them. And that's, and that's at the end of the day, I think we could all agree. That's what it comes down to is you want to get people in the store. You want to get them buying golf equipment. You want them out there playing golf so we can keep, so we can all keep writing about it and playing golf. Cause obviously um, if nobody's playing golf, no one's going to care to read about the articles that we're writing about because no one's going to be interested in it anymore. So I think at the end of the day, those, those reviews, even if, even if only a small percentage of golfers are actually following them to a T are all are, are good for everybody because it, it gets people, you know, talking, it gets the conversation going and it gets people out to the stores to try out clubs and to try out balls and to ultimately, you know, get something that keeps people out there on the golf course and playing. See listeners, as Dan's saying, we, we basically perform a public service to you. We, <laughs> we, we want to write these reviews to get you into the stores. And, you know, this kind of goes out also to, uh, the golf equipment manufacturers, we've been referring to them as OEMs, uh, which stands for Original Equipment Manufacturer. You know, it, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of times, um, to kind of put our golf writer hats back on, uh, a lot of times blogs get a bad rap for not having more detailed reviews, not having more data, not have, you know, certainly we can't say that mm-hmm. about my golf spy because they're kind of the, the, the gold standard as as blogs go. But, you know, at the end of the day, Dan and myself and others who write reviews on their blogs, we're the people that are probably going to be buying your stuff. Now, in a lot of instances, just out of, you know, true spirit of being unfiltered or transparent, Dan and I also probably have the opportunity to keep some of the review samples that we receive. Not all of them, but we have to send some of them back sometimes. Um, But in the same instance, though, I mean, we're the people that are kind of the voice of the regular consumer. And it's up to us to kind of, like Dan mentioned, write a review with the hopes of getting our readers into the stores to buy your products. And so that's kind of how the whole relationship works. And listeners, I I kind of spell that out for you all as well, because the way that it kind of works hand in glove here, pun intended, I guess, (laughs) is uh, the fact that the more people who read the reviews that we write, the more opportunities the writers will have to review additional products that will then kind of keep the whole cycle going. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Dan, when you do your reviews, when you take your approach at, at, you know, what you're going to write about a particular product, and I know that it really depends on whatever product it is that you're testing, what are some of the things that you focus most on when you're reviewing a product? Is it just how are, you know, how would this work for my game? Or do you kind of put yourself in the mindset of the typical consumer who might be considering this? Yeah, it, it uh, you know, a, a big factor, and, we, and I've, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot already uh, today's feel, obviously, how does it feel, you know, uh, and that's a tough one. So for that one, it's it's more of how it feels to me, because obviously, I can't, I can't tell you how it feels to you, because it might feel different to you than it does to me, obviously. Um, but mainly, you know, feel, um, you know, you, you, the key is to try to keep it simple, um, 
because for the most part, a lot of the people that are going to be reading it are going to be your average golfer. So you don't, you want to try to keep, um, you, you want to try to keep it simple that they can understand. Obviously, you know, um, most of them aren't going to, most of them, if you start spitting off track man numbers and spin rates and whatnot, that even if it's, you know, information you're getting from the OEMs, it's not going to really mean much of anything to them because to them, it's, it's, it's not something that they're really focused on. So you, the key is to just, I guess you could say, keep it simple mm-hmm. uh, and keep it, keep it kind of tailored to the, to the average golfer that's just looking for the, the basic information that, that, that'll mean the most to them. Totally agree. We try to do the same thing over at Golf Unfiltered, and it's really just a matter of, hey, this is the product. This is how it performed for us. These are the things that we we looked at. Uh, we've got the data available if you want it, but at the end of the day, you're not going to see all those numbers when you go out on the golf course. The only number that really matters is the score, mm-hmm. or in some instances, the distance that you're blowing it past your, your playing partner. So, yeah. uh, at any rate, Dan, you know, I, I do appreciate this conversation and listeners, uh, as I mentioned, again, we're going to have some other, uh, guests on this month to kind of continue this conversation about golf club testing and golf equipment testing. Uh, but Dan, I, before I let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to let us know, uh, what's going on in, uh, in your life. Uh, any, anything, uh, new that uh, has come up and I'm kind of, uh, re- referencing something I saw on Twitter <laughs> just a little bit earlier. Yeah, so uh, I'm still I'm still doing all the, the I'm still doing everything with country clubs in Florida, but uh, I've had the opportunity now to kind of expand um, expand my voice, you could say, a little bit. Uh, uh, beginning uh, beginning in this in this new year of 2017, I'll be contributing to Links Magazine uh, on their digital side. So uh, a couple days a week, I'll be posting uh, posting some some uh, blogs and some articles up on their uh, on their newly revamped website as of the first of the year. They're getting they're getting a new website going and I'm going to be part of that, uh, that new digital side that they're firing up. And, uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Like I said, it's going to be another spot for uh, everyone to be able to check out my work and just another place that I can go and, uh, talk about golf with everyone. So that's, that's, that's always a win. Absolutely. Congratulations on, uh, Thank you. on that. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, it's, uh, at Dan Hauser golf, uh, H A U S E R is how you spell my last name there at Dan Hauser golf. Uh, plenty of content up on there i'm still uh, even with this new with this new project nothing's going to change i'm still going to be uh firing away on twitter all the time still still talking about all the hot new stuff still talking about the k6 probably because for the way this is going this this will be a hot button topic probably for for quite a while i don't see this dying down anytime soon but uh yeah constantly once once the season fires back up here in uh, in another week there will be plenty of uh, plenty of golf news on there as well and plenty of just you know reactions and stuff from the tournaments and uh yeah, that's just lots of golf talk with everyone. Awesome. Yeah, and Dan's a great follow on Twitter, uh, as we've mentioned uh, the first time that Dan was on as well. So, Dan, uh, many thanks for coming on and uh, for being our first guest of uh, 2017. It's awesome. Uh, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. And listeners, stay tuned to this. Uh, we're gonna, Like I said before, we're going to have a few other guests along this topic for this month. Until next week, this is your buddy Adam signing off.